Hey, everybody, you have joined the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast. I'm uh, coming at you live from um, hot, unusually hot Portland, Oregon, which is really weird. It's going to be like 100 degrees tomorrow. Um, yeah, really weird. Uh, joining me tonight, this is Ben, by the way. <laughs> joining me tonight are Ian and Steel Dad, who is joining us from a remote location somewhere in the wilds of Michigan. Where the heck are you? Uh, I, I am in uh, mid-Michigan, right along the Saginaw Bay uh, is where I am located. And uh, Oh, and by the way, don't forget, we are sponsored or presented by Deck Roofing, Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. Is that all you're going to say? That's just Deck Roofing? All right. Don't Ian, how are so. things tonight? <laughs> things are good. Pittsburgh's great. Pittsburgh Other than... is is good. Other than the the David DeCastro news, which has everyone a little bit down, but yeah, dude, I mean that is a little surprising. So on that note, let's just jump right into that. Um, the Steelers today released nine-year pro David DeCastro, uh, apparently still recovering from an ankle surgery he had prior to the 2020 season, and uh, they are apparently intent upon replacing him with Trey Turner, who mm-hmm. frankly last year was not good. Now, granted he wasn't healthy all season and they're obviously banking on the fact that if he's healthy now, he will return to form and become, you know, that pro bowl guard that he once was. It's a one year prove it deal. Uh, don't know the financial terms tried to find out, didn't get him. It is what it is. I'm sure they'll come out in the next couple, three days. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I'm betting it's incentive-laden, really low salary. Um, you know, I don't know how they're going to do that for, for performance, but probably games played, games dressed, games played. Um, and, yeah, uh, Ian, your your initial reaction when you heard this news? Um, I... I have to say my my initial reaction was that I mean I was kind of sad for DeCastro because he was the the sort of last fixture on the offensive line he was going to be the the real veteran leader this year and it's kind of the end of an era I mean you figure our whole starting line from two years ago is now gone Villanueva's gone um, you know Pouncey's gone DeCastro's gone uh, Matt Filer's gone uh, yeah they're even so yeah it's all it's all in an upheaval. Um, but I mean, these are things that happen, you know, over the course of, of, you know, uh, being an NFL fan that he gave us nine very good years, or I mean, maybe you could say eight very good years and one injury plagued year where he battled uh, probably as hard as he could and still made a pro bowl, which was probably more on name recognition than actual play. Cause he was not as good last year. And, and really my, my first thought was like, I hope he's okay because you know his his play definitely dropped off last year. Although we talked a lot on this show about how we all thought he was playing through an injury and we hoped he was able to get back from it, and it just seems like he wasn't able to to get back from the injury. I mean, especially being released with a, a non football injury designation, it just seems like whatever it was, you know, either became a degenerative condition or just wasn't able to, to get back in football shape. He came to mini camp last week, but didn't really take part in any of the drills. So yeah, you know, uh, hopefully, I mean, he's made a, a 
very good sum of money in his career and hopefully he's able to to go on and, and have a good life after his career if this is it for his nfl career i mean can't really complain about getting nine years multiple all pros multiple pro bowls out of a first round pick that's pretty much exactly what you hope for when you draft a guy in the first round I, I tend to agree with you. I, you you want that guy that's going to get second or or even a third contract. And I really thought he was going to get a third contract, but that was based upon the assumption that he was going to be healthy this season, and and that did not come to fruition. And rumor has it that he's he's mulling his future. He's not sure if he's going to continue playing or not. Mark, what what were well, you thinking about this? Was... I mean, and, and more to the point, what do you think of Trey Turner? Well, it's a typical Steelers move, in my opinion, because the the Steelers like to find guys that are going to be cost effective, uh, almost first and foremost, at at this particular position. Um, He's coming off a year, as you noted in the opening, that that was less than stellar, but there is a a very nice resume uh, body of work in his in his early career. So. I, I think the arrow is up as long as he's healthy. Um, I, and, and I'll be honest, I don't know what else they would do right now. I don't know who else is on the market. I, I would have to look at that and say, you know, who fits from a schematic standpoint, but also a financial standpoint. So um, good move uh, to be prepared for it. I, I think when I heard the news today, I wasn't like stunned. It's still surprising because the guy has been um, just your classic stealer the last nine years. So it's always hard to say goodbye to those guys. But, you know, based on last year and what we were hearing a little bit this year, I wasn't totally stunned. So um, still sad to see him go. And as Ian pointed out, too, um, the the O-line is completely new now. And I, I that is overwhelmingly my number one concern. Including the coach. Uh, Oh my God! So uh, it's it's just, a total unknown. Yeah. That doesn't that does not mean they're going to suck. I'm not trying to say no. that. I'm just saying it's a, right. it's completely different. Mm-hmm. No, it, it it is. It's going to be very different. Um, I, I I really think this team is going to have to have a lot of time together in the preseason or this unit rather. Um, I, I know well, we the would good like news to try is to, we're playing you know, in the Hall of Fame game, so we get an extra preseason game. And and as much as I hate it, you know, injury always a factor. They need that time. This unit has to yeah. work together. Uh, you know, the, the thing that bothers me about that that game is the field is infamously poor. Oh yeah, it, it, it just every year there are injuries on that damn field. And I was that Sean Squeezem did they tore his ACL there? Squeezem, Squeezem did that. Squeezem did making a tackle. <laughs> yeah, it was on that field. He should have just let him go. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, if you listen to this show regularly, you may recall that in early April, Ian brought up the curious the curious pattern where the Steelers were, were bringing in guards. Lots and lots and a lot of guards. They, they were stockpiling yeah. them prior to camp. Yeah. And, and it he, was, yeah, it was the. He, he wondered the, then if you know, I, I'm just going to paraphrase. Basically, what Ian said was, I wonder if there isn't a problem with David DeCastro. And and Mark and I 
Steel Dad and I both said, nah, he's fine. I haven't heard anything. This is no, no way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just looking for depth. Well, it turns out Ian was right. And there was an issue with DeCastro. <laughs> for the record, I hate being right about this. I Oh yeah. 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 Um yeah, I, I hate being right about it. But really, I mean, if if you look at going back to early April, I mean, look at the the guys that they had signed in free agency. You know, they they brought in Joe Haig, who's more of a guard than a tackle. I mean, I guess he can play that swing role. They brought in B.J. Finney, who's okay a center, but a, probably better at guard than center. Um, but he's not then, very good at guard either. Right, and then the <laughs> Rashad. Rashad Coward from the Bears, who they signed, who's definitely a guard. Um, so I mean, that's that's three guys who are more or less best suited at guard than any other position. Yeah. Plus, you know, early April that was when they were starting to you know go out and scout draft prospects, and they were sending Adrian Clem to go scout guards a lot of the time yeah. in the draft. So it was like a lot of things were just kind of pointing to you know. I mean, we we kind of figured Kevin Dotson should have been the presumed starter at, at left guard. If he wasn't, then there was probably something wrong with whatever internal analysis they were doing because Dodson was better than Filer was there last year uh, and should have played in that playoff game too. Uh, that being said, so then, you know, the only question mark left is is DeCastro. And I was just kind of like, is, is everything okay with him? I, I hope it is. And apparently he was just, you know, didn't, body didn't recover from the injury, which, you know, once, once you get over 30, you have surgeries, shit mm-hmm. happens. It just you know you're not a young man anymore. It takes you longer. Yeah, I, I I tend to think you're you're right on that count. Uh, Mark, what do you think? What do you think of the guard competition going into camp? What's your general feeling? I mean, they've got a gaggle of guards they're going to play in there. Well, guards. That's well said. That a gaggle of guards, yeah, yeah. Is that what you call a group of guards? It is now. I, uh, I guess. I mean, yeah. even you know, we didn't talk about Jaron Jones, or did you? Did you bring him up? No, I didn't mention him. He yeah, was on the practice he, squad last year, right? Uh, yeah, and he's yeah. he's another mm-hmm. one, and and uh, uh, Gray is another one. Yet again, they they keep him around because they like him. He's he's brutal. He's physical. They don't mm-hmm. think he's a very good athlete but they like Derwin Gray from the standpoint that he's a very good run blocker, like in a phone booth. Right. So I, I well, I, I tend to look at it like, okay, Dotson's going to start at left and I, Trey Turner's going to start at right. Um, I think Finney, obviously we have said on this show multiple times that we like Finney much better at a guard position than we do if he has to play center. Um, so if he does have to play guard, I think we're okay. Uh, not in the best case scenario, but it's okay. Um, and then you've just, as you said, you've got this massive group of other guys that are fighting for roster spots. And and I have no idea how that's all going to shake out. Obviously, you know, training camp injuries will take care of one or two of these guys. Um, and it, it always happens. And, and then eventually you settle on it. Who goes to practice squad if they're eligible, who stays on the team because they have the ability um, to, to swing to other positions. So th- that's really what's going to end up, you know, uh, uh, this whole thing boiling down to is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not super excited, even at the. I, I watched 
Trey Turner's tape, some of it a couple of weeks ago, because I wanted to kind of get a sense for where he was. Mm-hmm. And he was really underwhelming. I mean, it just, I was like, uh, okay, are we sure we want to bring this guy in? And yet here we are. And, and it's but, just, you know, it's a bet. <sighs> yeah. You yeah, know? it is. It, it is. It's a total gamble. Um, so uh, he, he, I just realized something. Uh, Derwin Gray left. He's not on the roster. He didn't resign. Um, did he sign in Jacksonville? He did. Okay. Um, yeah. So one other one other thing on DeCastro. I don't know if anyone's had a chance to watch it yet. Um, Ramon Foster's show, I'll say, that he does with Dayan Kovacvic, um with DCAM Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Sports. Mm-hmm. It's available for free on YouTube. It's also in podcast form, but I watched it on YouTube. At any rate, um, they did a little segment today, uh, this afternoon, on DeCastro uh, being cut and Foster brought up some very interesting points. You know, he's a guy who's been in the room, been on the line with, with DeCastro. So I'd say he has probably yeah. better insight than, than most other just, you know, regular schmucks like us or beat reporters or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he said that he felt like when, when Mike Munchak was here, like DeCastro really liked playing for him. And Munchak was a guy who could count challenge DeCastro and really like get him honed in and focused Obviously, Foster wasn't around the last couple years with Sean Sert, um, with Sean Sert, but um, yeah. he, I, I, the sense I got was that Foster didn't think like DeCastro was like Sert was really challenging DeCastro much and like motivating him a whole lot. Um, and maybe you saw that a little bit in his play, but you know, that he kind of lost a little bit of an edge, um, or something like that. But it, it seemed like it, it sounded like DeCastro might have been a little bit bored and now kind of going into the last year of his contract coming off an injury and having to learn a whole new blocking scheme with a new coach, like, you know, it it wears on you mentally. And I think the other thing that doesn't get mentioned a lot is the, the last year with COVID and everything that happened was Mm -hmm. just incredibly difficult mentally on all these athletes. I mean, these guys had to live in hotels. They couldn't see their families. They, you know, there was, we talked last week on the show about the, the COVID restrictions for, you know, guys who don't get vaccinated versus guys who do. And, you know, you're not allowed to see your family. You're not allowed to eat with your teammates. You're, you know, you got to do certain, can't sit next to the guys in meetings and uh, more than physically just mentally it, it, i think it, it wears on these guys and especially these guys that are older veterans that have already made you know tens of millions of dollars uh, somewhere in the back of your head you got to be thinking like how much longer do i want to put up with this and do i just want to retire and go spend time with my family and live my life however i want to and you know as i think chuck Knoll famously said once you start thinking about retiring you're basically retired already yeah 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 what I, uh, Ben? What what does the the fact that they designated non football related injury? What what does that mean going forward here? I honestly don't know. I mean, there are there are a thousand different reasons they may have have gone that way. My they they can't save any money by doing right. it. Um, the Castro can file a claim regardless because he had surgery for an injury mm-hmm. he got while playing um so he can file a claim and he can claim i think he can collect like a million and a half dollars from okay. the steelers this year um regardless of the way he was released um 
So I'm really not sure. I, I honestly don't know. There must be some benefit to him or to them. But I don't know what it is. And it, it's just odd. It was an odd thing. I noticed that the, right. that was a designation on the release. Maybe it's because it, it was an old injury and it wasn't, you know, from last season. It was from before that. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he rehabbed himself between the end of the season and, you know, now June and he wasn't under their supervision. So as far as they were concerned, it wasn't, it was no longer a football injury because I, I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating. Right. I really don't understand why they would do it. Like I said, regardless, even if the league tried to say, no, this is a non-football injury, we're not going to pay you out that million five. He can very easily prove that it was a football injury and that he had the surgery and he just never recovered. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Sean Sweesom collected two years partial salary, two years worth of partial salary from the Steelers when he left. And there was really never a question that he was going to do it, even though he'd made a lot of money. He had a special needs child and he needed to make as much as he possibly could and and put it away. And so Mm -hmm. he did it. And, you know, my understanding was the Steelers expected it all the way. And they were kind of like, yeah, we know you're going to do that. So just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, This, I I don't know. I I don't, again, I don't think they're trying to screw DeCastro. I I really just don't see it. It's just not in their character to try and do something like that. So it was just an odd thing to me when I looked at it. Um, Derwin Gray, real quickly, I looked it up as we were talking about it. He was waived from the active roster in December, claimed by the Jags. I did not realize that. And then he he signed an exclusive rights free agent tender with them this spring. So it is what it is. He's gone. Um, if they cut him, I imagine the Steelers would try and bring him back, but for right now they can't. Um, the Steelers. And that's, announced- actually, that's another, that's another point though, is we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about what positions the Steelers might address. There are going to be a handful of guys that get cut, you know, over the next couple months between now and the end of training camp. So this, as we sit here now, offensive line, I mean, they just signed Trey Turner, who's a veteran, and they have a, a habit of, you know, letting the veterans kind of, you know, start at the beginning of the year, especially. Um, they, and as camp goes and other injuries may happen, bumps and bruises, whatever, they may sign additional guys too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not ready pointed, to push the panic you, button just yet, but if we start the season, out, yeah. You pointed this out last week. They ne- They never thought that Joe Hayden would come available. And, you know, Right. The week the week before the regular season, he does and signs in Pittsburgh. So you kind of don't know what's gonna happen at this point. Um it would be great if a guard or tackle shook loose. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, the Steelers now have about sixteen million dollars in cap room before the Trey Turner contract. I don't know what he signed for. Um again, my guess is small dollars with incentives uh based upon playing time but I really have no idea. So let's just say hypothetically, they have about $15 million in cap room to play with as of right take now, it, take it down to 10. Cause they usually like to have about five, four to five, five. to carry over into the yeah, year. So five yeah. to play with. So they, they've got $10 million and let's call it disposable cap room um, that they can, they can either sign players with, or they can carry over to next season, which they don't need much 
cap space next season, they're going to be fine. Right. So well, TJ Watt signs his contract. <laughs> even then, I mean, I, I think Watt at this point, you can, you can increase Watt's cap hit this season if you want to, but you don't have to. Um, if it were me again, I, I talk about this every time they do one of these and they rarely do it exactly like this, but I'd make it cap neutral. I would make the cap hit pretty much what it's going to be right now, which is, you know, about 10.7. Yeah. yeah. 10.7. And, you know, leave it at that. Don't, don't change anything, push it all into future years, but they may go, you know, we've got some space. Let's just go ahead and use it. Um, They may also look at it from the standpoint that it's nice having that space in reserve in case something happens not to mention the fact that you don't have to use it because you can carry it in the next season. So it really doesn't make a heck of a lot of difference. Um, TJ Watt's going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll have a, I imagine a giant cap hit in 2022, not such a giant one this year, but Watt's getting paid. No question. Uh, the Steelers, the Steelers announced today that they will not be holding training camp in oh. St. Vincent at St. Vincent College this year in Latrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, much to the dismay of, of many, many fans. Um, the NFL obviously hates the Steelers. They've got it out for them. You know, they try and screw them over. <laughs> Everybody else, you know, gets to have their training camp in remote spaces, but the Steelers can't. Um, well, Ian, you're a little closer to this than I am. Because yeah. you live you live in Pittsburgh. Uh, what did you hear today? Um, I mean, I, I think amongst the fan base, there was a lot of disappointment. But um, you know, just from the the logistical side of things, um, given all of the NFL's restrictions that they're putting in with all the the COVID stuff. I mean, just what we talked about last week, right? With all the restrictions on players, you know, you you can't have dinner together if people aren't vaccinated and things like that like st vincent's is a college the the dining halls are basically set up for everybody to eat together like just being able to comply with whatever other rules the nfl might have was probably going to be pretty logistically difficult And, and even um you know i don't know requirements of like okay guys have to have separate bedrooms you can't have a roommate anymore like you know i mean we always heard stories mm-hmm. listening to like tunch and wolf and whoever about like oh yeah back in the day you know we we would go to these guys rooms and you know tunch and wolf room together for so many years and they brought a fridge and all this food and all this yeah but like if, if guys have to have their own rooms now now you're talking about like more dorm space that you have to have available right. and right. um you know i mean I looked at St. Vincent when I looked at colleges. I did not go there, but I looked at it. Uh, some of the dorms were air conditioned. Some of them weren't. So, you know, I mean, it's just logistically it gets very difficult versus, you know, being able to have it in Pittsburgh, like at the South side or at Heinz field is more of a controlled environment and you can set up the facility that you own to then comply with whatever regulations the NFL wants to put into place. And the other thing to keep in mind too as we've seen over the last, you know, whatever, 15 months that this COVID thing's been happening, that regulations change on sometimes a daily or hourly basis that you can put together a plan 
and be like, okay, this is how we're going to do this. And then some regulating body, whether it's the feds, the state, the county, whatever, says, oh, no, you know, you've got to, you know, have this occupancy limit or abide by this restriction or do this differently. And then you've got to amend all your plans that you just came up with. So it's it's not easy, especially when you're in an environment that you don't own and control. So you figure, right, they basically rent St. Vincent College, the Steelers do, but St. Mm-hmm. Vincent's is still providing all of the cleaning crews, all the cafeteria workers, all the janitorial staff, all that stuff. And when you know, when you write these contracts for, okay, this is the, you know, this is the number of cafeteria workers we need. This is the number of meals we need. This is the number of cleanings per day we need from the janitorial staff. If the NFL changes that between now and then, then like it all gets thrown for a loop. Whereas those things are much easier to control when it's in a facility that you own, because you can just say, okay, this is our facility. This is how we're going to do it. So it, it sucks for the fans, but like, yeah. I, I also kind of understand why, and it and it wasn't the Steelers' fault either. The NFL was the ones that said no, and it yeah, may have just been that logistical stuff. Yeah, I mean the NFL didn't didn't approve their plan, but you hit the nail on the head before when you said you need to have a controlled environment. And a lot of the issue with the college is just that there are so many ways onto the campus. There are so yeah. many different yeah. ways to get on. They've got to hire the state police and a private security firm to keep people from sneaking on to the campus through the cemetery during training camp. This is true. They they don't have a choice but to do that. And there are a bunch of other ways that you can walk on to the campus because it's, it's wide open where with a lot of other, other larger colleges, it's a little bit more controlled environments. You, You can have a complex that's walled in where you can you can set up a controlled environment there. St. Vincent isn't set up that way. You don't you don't have a compound or a complex where it's fenced or walled in. And yeah, maybe they could have gone out and gotten fencing. I don't know. <clears throat> Something along those lines. I mean, they, they set up fences around the fields for training camp, but they're mm-hmm. not setting up for the entire campus. And with COVID restrictions in place, they had they were going to have to eliminate all field passes anyway. Yep. And I yep. got this from somebody who works at the college. Field passes were eliminated. Autograph Alley was already eliminated. Lining the path on the way to the field was already eliminated. The The restrictions that they put in place basically would have kept the players in their rooms, in the dorms, or practicing. Nothing else. Uh, the, the players would have had to stay not just in the new Rooney Rooney Halls, Rooney, Rooney, I don't know, the, the, the dorm the Steelers built there, the, right. the new one. They built a new one there that is very nice and it's all air conditioned. They would have had to stay in two other dorms that were built as quote-unquote temporary dorms in the 60s because there was a fire that burned down a lot of the, the campus in the early 60s. And those dorms are still not air conditioned 100% in 100% of the, of the rooms. So mm-hmm. it would have been a mess. The players would have been uncomfortable. Um, the plan was to have camp there for a couple of weeks and then send them back to Pittsburgh after that. So it would have been abbreviated camp anyway. Um, they had to bring in 
a cleaning and custodial staff that was completely vaccinated and was tested. <laughs> yeah. they, they would have had to test everybody that was coming into contact with the Steelers. The cafeteria is under construction right now. The weight rooms are tiny. It just wasn't working out. Um, the Steelers want to have it there. And I think the Steelers were the ones that were really kind of trying to drive it and try to make it happen somehow, some way. You know, if it, we need to put in extra money, we will. Da, 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 da. But it just became a logistical nightmare. And it got to the point where the college just couldn't coordinate and make adequate arrangements to satisfy these NFL requirements. And it's not like the NFL was being unreasonable about this at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the other teams have, have got to meet these same qualifications. It's just, it was difficult to do in that particular environment. So this isn't about the NFL hating on the Steelers. And I'm, as Mark pointed out before, actually in an article he wrote today, I'm sure the Steelers players are much happier because they get to go home and sleep in their own beds every night. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd, you'd like to see them in that environment. Oh, there was one other thing I was told today. The press wasn't allowed to, was not going to be allowed to be on the field during <laughs> training camp this year either. So, you know, they would all be behind the fences, away from the players, maintaining distance. I guess they had their own little space, but they'd be behind fences just like everybody else. And having to report on it that way, having to to, to Having to do interviews at greater than six feet, (laughs) (laughs) just a, just a mess, man. And I, you know, I know that as Steelers fans, we all, and I, I'm not going to exempt myself from this point. We all tend to overreact to things like this because, you know, we, we we live our, we live our football and, you know, we we were all collectively disappointed. I was planning on flying out there this year because I if if I ever do drag my ass out there for for training camp, I can get field passes from my friend. And I was like, yeah, this is the year. And about I don't know three or four weeks ago, I was looking at airline tickets and I I almost pulled the trigger. So glad I didn't because whew, yeah, that would have yeah. sucked. It- yeah, we were we were in the same boat. We were talking about going over there. We haven't been in a few years to training camp, and and uh, I, I I was thinking the same thing, lodging all that kind of stuff. And and uh, I, I'm I'm grateful I did not pull the trigger either. Um, but you know that this whole thing is clearly uh, good for the players in that respect. You know they don't have to haul stuff back and forth, and and you know they they uh, they just have that that comfortability with the South side or, or Heinz field. And, and, you know, so at least for this year, but I, I fully expect we'll be back to St. Vincent in, in 2022. At least I certainly hope so. Yeah. I, I hope for the same, I guess we'll, we'll find out. Um, but I, I would expect that in the future, they will be back when, whenever that future is, let's all, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Getting back to the offensive line, I want to talk about something real quickly because it's something I've noticed repeatedly Mm -hmm. since the draft. Fans seem to be really fixated on the wealth of skill position players 
that the Steelers have on offense, even with mm -hmm. a quarterback in the twilight of his career. And let's face it, that's where Ben is. And it's not that's not yep. to say that that Ben is not a capable NFL starter. He is. He still mm -hmm. is. Um, but it it seems to me that we're overlooking that key component to every offense, and that is the foundation for that unit in the offensive line. Mark, what's your comfort level with the offensive line as a whole right now? Uh, the word comfort does not apply. Uh, I, I, I just have no comfort right now. Uh, this, you're, you're talking about potentially a rookie starting at center. You're talking about a, a very inexperienced guy starting at, at right tackle and banner. You're talking about, um, a guy in Chuxacora for starting at left tackle that still has significant question marks. I, I mean, honestly, the best position I feel good about is probably left guard with Kevin Dotson, a second-year <laughs> player. I, I, I mean, that's where I'm at. Um, but that that all that said, that doesn't mean they can't excel and they can't become a good unit. Um, I, I said this a couple weeks ago. I said, if you go back and look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were 7-5. and five. Brady wasn't playing all that well. And you can pretty much point to the fact that that offensive line was not playing well. And when they started to play better is when everybody else started to play better. So I don't care how many great skill position people you have on this Steelers roster. If you can't block both in the passing game and the running game, those people mean nothing. So, yeah, I got no comfort right now as we sit here in late June. Well, I'm, I am I don't feel quite that strongly about it, but I'm – I agree with you from the standpoint that I think there are a lot of questions that need to be answered before we can decide yeah. this is going to be a good unit or a bad unit. Um, and I, I'm not just going to be one of these people that'll say, yeah, they're going to be fine. They're going to be great. Adrian Clem's going to whip these guys into shape. Ian, uh, you haven't really addressed this much. What What's your feeling on this? So two things I'll say first to your first point about people focusing on the skill positions. It's because those are the ones that score you fantasy points. And as much as I hate to admit it, <laughs> uh, you know, offensive lines don't score people fantasy points and offensive lines don't really help you in Madden. And unfortunately for us, the generation younger than us cares a lot more about those things than we do. All right. That being said, Appreciate. <laughs> um, we're all get old up. and crotchety. Let me have another drink of whiskey and get, get off, off my lawn. lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. All that being said, um, you know, I, I've said this the last couple weeks, and I'll say it again that I don't, I don't think this is a good offensive line as it stands right now. But what I want to see out of them is progress. I want to see them be better mm -hmm. in December than they are in August. I'm not expecting them to you know be the recent dallas cowboys the you know even mid-90s dallas cowboys i mean that was a heck of an offensive line um Oof. and i i even think the, that the I recent that, steelers lines that i'm, I'm not expecting that, that. It's, better in december than they are in august is a very is a very fair expectation i yeah. agree with you Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I would say i want to i want to see them be better in december than august and the other thing is 
I want to see consistency in the starting lineup. If you look across the league, the teams that tend to have the most success are the ones that use the fewest offensive line combinations throughout the year. And some of that's just getting lucky with injuries. Um, but the the most successful teams tend to be the ones that are able to, you know, just use a handful of different offensive line combinations throughout the year. Because people are going to get hurt. We've got a 17th game this year. There's going to be guys that that miss time with injury. It's it's going to happen. But, you know, the the fewer combinations we have, that means the more often these guys are getting to play together. And since this is basically a brand new unit from two years ago, um, actually, I mean, essentially a brand new unit from last year, because yes. Acorafor is even moving from right to left. So that's a yeah. whole different position for him so basically a brand new unit across the board that they just need snaps together they need that experience they need time they need to build there's going to be mistakes along the way there's going to be hiccups but i yeah i want to see progress and i just i want to see them have the chance to build that together as a unit and hopefully build something good i i agree with you from that standpoint i you know I think that if they can be a kind of a middling unit this year, that'll be okay. And if, if they get better as the year goes on, that'll, I, I'm not saying I'll be, I'll be excited by it, but I would be satisfied mm-hmm. with it. It, mm-hmm. it is an entirely new unit, a new coach, everything else, a new scheme. Um, it's, I don't know what to expect, honestly. I do think, and I talked about this before, I do think that Harris will help them with his style, with his running style. Um, he's decisive, but he's patient, and he's smart, and he has great vision. Uh, he's He really is, and I talked about this before, he really is a Ferrari as a running back. He's as good as it gets from a talent and durability standpoint. Uh, from a, a power standpoint, uh, he doesn't have great breakaway speed, but he cuts very well. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to get you an extra couple, three yards after contact. I think Friermuth is going to help too, because frankly, you can't block any worse than Eric Ebron <laughs> was last season. You just can't. So if you got Eric Ebron in line and you substitute him with Pat Friermuth, even if Friermuth just gets in the way, he's doing a better job than Ebron did last year. <laughs> yeah, true. Actually, so here's here's something else I want to bring up too that. So obviously we all know the Steelers finished dead last in the league last year in rushing um, in yards per game, yards per attempt, all that dead last. Um, someone on Twitter last week uh, posted a very good chart that had not only yards per rush, but yards before contact and yards after contact. Um, and obviously the Steelers were dead last total. They were also next to last in yards before contact at just 1.9 yards before contact per But rush. it gets worse. The only Go on, the, Ian. the only team worse than them at yards before contact was Tampa Bay at 1.8. So just Let's a tenth talk of about the yards yard. after contact. But also, yeah. yes, that's and that's the thing is the yards after contact were also like third worst basically. <laughs> there was there's they were at 1.7 after contact. So and Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl having the worst yards before contact, but they were also one of the best teams at yards after contact, at after. like 2.3 yards after contact. So you don't have to do 
both of them great. Like Baltimore and Tennessee were kind of the, the top of the pack. You just have to do one of them really good. Um, and I think Najee Harris helps with the, I think he helps the yards after contact and he, he may even help the yards before contact a little bit. Well, I mean, I said back in the day with Le'Veon Bell, like his, his rookie year, his second year, he was, he was the, the best back I'd seen us have in a, a long time. And I'm just talking about Steelers backs now, but the best Steelers back in a long time at turning a potential two yard loss into like a two yard gain. And those four yards make a massive difference. Huge. There's a, 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 yeah. So, and, and I think Najee and he, Harris's there, foot there were times has that, some similar abilities. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And there, there were times that, that bell would turn a potential loss into a five yard gain or a 40 yard gain. And it was just like, Whoa. I mean, if you get you get a ten yard swing on a play where you should have lost two or three and you gain seven, that's massive. It's huge, Dude. and I I completely agree with everything that Ian just said about Harris. Uh, he is going to be that kind of player. And look back at last season. If you watch film, and you know we watched a lot of film last year, it got disgusted with the running game. But there were some holes that our running backs missed. <laughs> it just yes, holes would open true. up and they ignored them and went the other way. Benny Snell, it's really frustrating. Really, really frustrating. But but Anthony McFarland too. And he's the kind of guy, if McFarland can ever hit the hole correctly and get into the open, he's a home run hitter. That guy's got mm-hmm. breakaway speed. Uh, Jalen Samuels is trying to play himself out of the league. So we won't talk about that. Yeah. But, I don't remember someone someone I was listening to on the radio basically said that they like Jalen Sam or not Jalen Sims, Anthony McFarland really would have benefited from like having an actual training camp in preseason last yeah, year that sure. like, you know, they, they're expecting basically him to take a big step forward this year with actually having like an offseason program to work through. So, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sure. I'm sure a number of players would have benefited a great deal by actually having a preseason. And you know, we we've talked about the fact that younger players aren't getting a fair shake because of the practice limitations in the preseason now. Um, unless you're a high draft pick, or unless you're you've been drafted, teams aren't necessarily going to invest the number of reps in you that they should. And practice limitations are set such that it makes it really difficult for undrafted guys to stand out and make teams. And last year was even worse because of the fact that there really was no preseason. And there was this kind of abbreviated quote unquote camp last year. And it it hurt guys a lot. You know, that's why when I I talked about it on this show, when Cam, Cam Hayward was talking about how guys should stay away from off season workouts. I was like, no way, man. Absolutely not. You, especially if you're a young guy, you should definitely go in there, you know, sit down with your coaches, pick their brains, get some coaching, let them coach you up, work out in the facility. If you get hurt, they got to pay you, you know, all of that, all those advantages, take advantage of them. Use your resources. Don't be stupid. Um, mm-hmm. And this year, I, I would imagine that a lot of the rookies from last season, McFarland included, are gonna be are gonna take bigger jumps than you would ordinarily expect from year one to year two because of the fact that last year they kind of had to learn on the job. 
I completely agree with the point that he made. Yeah, I do too. I think so. Uh, well, gentlemen, um, I guess we should remind the audience that uh, we are sponsored by Deck Roofing of South Florida for all your commercial, residential, and multifamily needs. Contact Deck Roofing today. Well done. Did I get that right? Did I get that right? Uh, yeah, and you can go to deckroofing.com to set those appointments up. Oh, get very free nice. estimates. Yeah. Very, very nice. Uh, before we before we depart here, uh, I do have a question for you guys. I saw this popped up on Twitter, and I, I immediately had that kind of like, I don't know, face. Still uh, myself. Well, be careful. Uh, is DeCastro a Hall of Famer? Uh, no. Okay. It's really hard for offensive linemen to get in. I mean, look how long it took Alan Fanica to get in. Yes. and. Fanica had a a better career than DeCastro did. I mean, DeCastro was really darn good. Don't get me wrong. He'll be in the Steelers Hall of Honor, but I just, it's really hard for linemen to get in. Fanica was the best guard in football for three or four years. Mm -hmm. And it took him this long to get in. And guys, guys that weren't as good as Fanica, frankly, that were not as good, got in before he did, which I still think is total horse shit. Yeah, Kevin Mawai. Yeah, for example, uh, that's just one. Um, yeah, I, I yes, Fanica yeah. had, had more All Pros. He had more Pro Bowls. He had yeah. more more postseason awards than any of those guys. And he had to wait. Total horseshit. He also has a Super Bowl ring. Again, yep. Total horseshit. Uh, one of the be- best plays. In Super Bowl history, that 75-yard run, longest run from scrimmage ever with Lee mm-hmm. Parker. That was all Fanica. Mm-hmm. Fanica he comes was... around the corner and bang. And yep. look at that gaping hole. And the only guy who could have caught him was Michael Bulware, and he whiffed. And, <laughs> and Willie was off to the races. races. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember. I, I think it was um, – There are uh, a bunch of people. Name? They're a bunch of people. Next stop, Canton, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I saw that all over. I was just like, uh, oh, I, and I know Steelers fans, we love our Steelers, and you know, yeah. we we want to pump them up. And it's the same thing with the Heinz Ward argument that I have with people all the time. He's never getting in either. That doesn't mean these guys didn't have great careers. Right. People right. need to get past the fact that <laughs> It, if you don't make the Hall of Fame, it doesn't mean you weren't a great player. It just no. means, you know, you didn't make the Hall of Fame. And that's another standard above and beyond that. I mean, those are – if there's a guy who is viewed at the as the very best as his position at some point in his career, he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, among the very best anyway. I mean, Jerome Bettis – you know, I guess I guess you could say that Jerome in his in his era was the best big back. But was he the best pure running back? No, but he got in no. mm-hmm. regardless. Well, that's the other thing to keep in mind, too, that, you know, I, I mean, we discussed this when Bill Cowher got in that, you know, we didn't really weren't really sure if, if Bill Cowher was, quote unquote, you know, one of the the best head coaches of all time or a hall of fame coach. But I mean, he also kind of got in with a, a special class. So the hall of fame does do these, you know, 75th anniversary special classes, things like that. So there are, you know, 
other possibilities beyond the the normal route um, to get in. So, I mean, it's it's possible at some point DeCastro oh, gets sure. in, but I just think, yeah, I mean, he he had a couple All Pros, he had a lot of Pro Bowls, but it's it's really hard for offensive linemen to get recognition. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. I, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I at this point anyway, he's not. If if uh, if DeCastro somehow gets healthy and continues his career elsewhere and mm-hmm. regains regains his playing form, then yeah, maybe he might, he might. And it, and, it, and if all that happens and he does get healthy and regain his form, the Steelers are obviously going to regret having released him. But yeah. they obviously. They obviously don't think that's going to be the case, or they would not have done so. Um, yeah, that's Agreed. really it. <clears throat> and on that note, uh, we will sign off for the evening. Thanks again for listening. Uh, you have a minute today. You know, think about the Baltimore Sky Rats and hate on them <laughs> because they suck. <laughs> because they suck. Bunch of fucking assholes. And. <laughs> We'll talk to you again next week. Signing off for marketing. And this has been, have a good night. Go Steelers. Ravens.